0: And if we can wake up into that, then you know I am. First you know I am soul, and then you know I am God. And then you know I am God is one and the same as I am soul. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And there is no separation. And a challenge for a lot of people in meditation as well and in this spiritual practice is this whole concept of rising up into soul and rising beyond soul, soul transcendence, into the realms of pure spirit. And the mind goes, but what is that like? You know, I know this world, I know this body, I know these emotions, and I'm ruler of it all, says the mind. And it is. The mind is the ruler. The mind is, in a sense, the soul of this level of creation. And it is dominant. It is a dominant force. And it knows this creation. And it understands this creation. And it knows how to work it for the good and the bad of itself. And it does it within us. And so the mind, when it hears, no, you're spiritual being your soul, your divine, your loving essence. It goes, what is that? I don't know what that is. I don't know what soul is. I don't know what spirit is. I don't know what spiritual realms are. What are you talking about? And the mind will kick in and say, forget that. That's a bunch of baloney. Let's do this world. Let's do the mind game. Let's do the world. Let's chase after all these things. Let's get attached and be in love. Let's not do this thing of spirit. And that's what the mind will do to us if we continue to allow it to do that. It's up to each of us to begin an inner practice where we can rise above all of that. And what will happen is something very profound. You will come up, up, up in your focus inwardly. As you focus upward and inward, you begin to rise above the physical, above the emotional, and above the mind. And each one of those levels are going to challenge you. Each one of those levels are going to test you to see, can you really let go of me? Do you really think that you can overcome me? No, you can't overcome me. Wouldn't a peanut butter and jelly sandwich be really good right now, the body says? No, I'm hungry. Let's go get something to eat. Let's not waste our time. My God, what a waste of time. We could go have a nice big glass of milk. We could go have a glass of wine right now. What are you doing? Let's go do something else with this body. But if you sit there long enough, you'll begin to find yourself rising above that physical nature, that body consciousness. But then comes the emotions. And in that emotion... In that nature of the, of the emotional presence, we find all kinds of things going on in there. Storms of energy just exploding and expressing and needing and hiding and running, running toward and running away. And to me, it is like being in an ocean where there's a great storm and all these waves are just bouncing back and forth, hitting at each other. And as they do, they get bigger and bigger. And if I'm not careful, I can get caught up in all this wave action and just stay there trying to figure out how to bring it to calmness. And what I have found is that the more I focus on the emotions and try to calm them, the more the waves build and the more the emotional nature has power over me. But the more I just hold my attention to God the easier it is for me to rise above that emotional nature. And as you begin to rise above it, the emotional nature gets quiet because there's nothing to feed it now. It just becomes still. And then you reach into the levels of the mind. And the mind is maybe one of the most challenging barriers there is because the mind knows all the little tricks to play on us in a way that the emotions in the body couldn't. Because it can speak our language at this level. It can speak to us. It can share with us. It can distract us. It can disturb us with all these different thoughts. Well, I'm unworthy. I don't deserve this. I'm not ready for love at this level. Well, I can't do this. This is impossible. There is no God. What are you doing? What are you doing this for? And it will do everything it can to distract you, just as it was doing the distraction for me. And I followed right after it. Oh, my mind's going again. There I go. I would just follow after it like a little puppy would follow. Something that wanted to play with. And so I know the power of the mind. So how then do we rise above this body, this emotion, this mind consciousness that we have within us? It is very simple. It's focus on the unspoken name of God. Hold your attention on something that is separate from all those physical natures that is that still small voice of God within. Hold your focus there. Hold your loving there. And it's like a hot knife cutting through butter. You just rise through all of that that I just described about the physical, the emotional, and the mental. You just rise right through it very quickly, very easily, very smoothly, and you begin to rise up into those realms of spirit where you can begin to experience your own divinity and experience the divine in you, living you, loving you, being you. Now, it sounds real simple, but yet, there are challenges in it all because you may not yet have learned how to hold a focus. You may not have developed the discipline that it takes to keep that focus together enough to move through these lower regions and into the higher. It takes time, it takes practice, it takes patience and it takes loving. And you forgive yourself every time you fail or you get distracted, and you just move right back into the beingness, into the focus. By chanting the hue, by holding your attention on H-U or N-I-H-U, as it's written up here, or by holding your attention on the initiatory tones, the unspoken name of God, and letting that power build inside of you, you will find that that power of the Holy Spirit that is in that name will lift you quickly through all the levels and into the Spirit. It's by the power of the name. It is in the Old Testament. And it is in the New Testament, and it is in other sacred writings, in the Bhagavad Gita, in the Quran. It is taught throughout time. It is by the power of the name. But the world doesn't know what the power of the name is. What is the power and what is the name? And they've given it all kinds of different definitions. But in truth, it's the unspoken name of God and the power that lies within that. And the power of the name is the living, loving essence of the Lord that you are. That is the power. And that is the power that you were awakening and you're unleashing inside your own consciousness every time you hold a focus of loving intention inside of yourself to wake up and know that I am God. I am God. I am the soul, God. So in this practice, be aware that there is a power is greater than this world, and that is the Holy Spirit. When God spoke, the first movement, the first sound was the action of loving that came out of God to manifest all things. And that manifesting action was the Holy Spirit and is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is ever moving throughout all levels of creation to maintain creation to hold it in its dynamic expression so that God can fulfill God within creation. And that Holy Spirit is holding you in a very dynamic way in your own creation and is ever calling you forward to be responsible for your creations. Well, why is that? The soul is the creative essence of God God created soul so that soul would go out into all these different levels of God, to all these different levels of the aspects of God in manifestation and experience it fully so that God could know God's self more fully through the experience of self, experiencing self in movement. That's a lot of words but it's true, and you can know that by waking up inside and knowing that. And that action is also carrying with it the creative principle that is in the soul. We each are creators in our own way. Look at your own life, and look at what you've created. You've created this lifetime. You've created this body. You've created your reality, and you hold your reality in suspension and maintain that reality so that you can live it to its fullest. And you will struggle to maintain it. You will struggle to support it. Even though you don't like it, you will still struggle to support your creation. And yet, That is what we are here to experience, our creative principle, and to discover the power of our own creativity. Rather than blame your life on your parents or on your teachers or on some outer force, realize and take responsibility for your own creation. For every action, there's a reaction. That's a law in physics, but it's also a spiritual law. As you sow, so shall you reap. The challenge is that we don't often remember what we sowed. We don't even remember what we sowed yesterday in the way of our actions, our thoughts, our expressions, with ourselves or with others. And yet, today, somebody comes up to me and says, you know, I don't think I like you anymore. And then they walk away and you go, what? We're best friends. What's wrong? Well, you know what happened. I'm not going to like you anymore. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And you're going, what? What happened? I don't know what happened. We don't remember sometimes the simplest little seeds that we plant in our day that bear fruit and that we are responsible for. We might say one thing to somebody that throws them into a total turmoil. And we didn't mean it to do that, but we plant that seed and it happens. And yet, they don't tell us, well, remember that seed you planted? Well, that's why I'm disturbed. They just go, I'm disturbed with you, goodbye. And then what do we do? We eat the fruit of that plant that we planted in the world, our creation. We are responsible for it. Well, there's also those seeds that we planted in other lifetimes, not just yesterday, but lifetimes ago, that we are also finding are starting to take sprout and come up into this lifetime as well. And if we can't even remember the seed we planted yesterday and be responsible to it, how in the world are we supposed to be responsible to the seeds we planted four lifetimes ago and be responsible to it? But we are. Unto the fourth generation shall the sins of the father be passed. Well, four generations ago, you were the father. You were the creator of the child you are today. You planted the seed of who you are today. And now you are the fourth generation bearing the fruit of that implanting of those creations. So you were responsible for your thoughts, your actions, your reactions, your emotions, and what you do with this body. You were responsible for all of that. And that's how we as soul learn about our creative ability. When I had cancer in the 70s, I learned something very powerful about the power of creation. I went to Houston I met a couple who were just doing experiments. Now, this was way back in the early 70s, and nobody really was thinking much about affirmations and positive thought and, and creative imagination as a healer force. But they were looking at this. And so, in talking with them, I realized that there was a very simple dynamic that I could do that would help me to get well. And that was to begin to use my own creative imagination, the power of the spiritual creativity, to heal myself. Now, I was doing other things called radiation and chemotherapy and nutritional supplements and diet, all at the same time. And I introduced into that this positive creative imagination in order to strengthen and to enhance and to bring about healing. And it was during this time that I learned the power of creativity in a great way. Because I realized that what we create with our mind and with our emotions and with our creative imagination will come into manifestation if we will hold to it long enough. We can create heaven or hell right here for ourselves. So I did an experiment and I began to use the power of creativity to see how I could begin to have an impact on my healing. You remember back when they used to have video games coming out and there was this Pac-Man? Well, I envisioned the radiation, and I envisioned the chemotherapy that I was doing later as Pac-Man. And it was just going through my bloodstream, eating up all the cancer. All the way through my bloodstream. And I would just envision it from the bottom of my feet coming up and all the way to the top of my head and then it would come back down on the other side and just eat up all the cancer and I would do that for weeks and weeks days on days out just giving it as much time each day as I could and as I did I felt stronger I felt more in charge and my blood work was getting better and after a couple of months of doing this, and I mean, I went through six months of radiation and then a year and a half of chemotherapy, so I had plenty of time to experiment with this. So after about two months of doing that and watching my blood work get better and better and better, I stopped. I said, well, I've got to find out if this is really working or not or if, it's, if, it's, if this is true. So I stopped. Within a few days, I could feel the chemotherapy pulling me down. And I could feel myself being drugged down into this, this hole. It was like a suction cup. It was just like being sucked down into something. And after a week, I went in and I had to have blood work every week. They did my blood work and my doctor looked at me and he said, oh, something's up. Something's different. And he couldn't figure out what it was, but he didn't give me chemotherapy that week because it was all down. So I thought, ooh, I'm not going to do this for two months. And so I started doing the visualization. I went back, and the next week, everything was back up to normal. And, And I went, okay, now, I don't know what to believe here. Is this just my body doing whatever it's doing, or is this for real? So the next week, I didn't do the visualization, and everything went down. The next week, I did the visualization, and everything went back up. After I did that a few more times, I realized I didn't enjoy this experiment. Because every time I wasn't doing the visualization, I was going down. So I just started visualizing all the time. And I got better and better and better. So I know the power of creativity for the good. But I also know the power of creativity for the bad. Because I've watched myself over the years use that same principle a visualization to hold myself back to bring about disturbance in my body so I didn't have to participate with something and to create blocks and barriers in my own life so I know the power of creativity and I know that I can change my life by simply holding a particular focus with that creative power inside myself I can change it and I can manifest what I want in my life by holding that power of creativity which is that loving essence inside. That's where the divine spark is creative and has the power of creativity and it is looking to manifest its creativity on all levels of our being. But unfortunately, there's some cross lines in our consciousness and so things get short-circuited. And we begin to believe things that aren't true in this short-circuited consciousness of creativity. And we blame other people for our problems. We blame everything outside of ourselves. It's not me. I, it's not me. Don't, no, you don't know what you're talking about. It's my mother. It's my father. It's my boss. You know, they, they won't give me a raise. I mean, how dare they? They won't give me a raise. And so it... It is important to look and see that if we want life to be different, we have to take responsibility and bring about our own creative power to manifest what we want in our life in a way that we may not have done so before. And that is what the soul is longing to do, to line up our own creative principle in such a way that the soul can manifest on all levels of self, all levels of expression at this level. So that we live in union, in oneness, in awakening on all levels and being multidimensional, just as Brian described earlier, of why he's doing the meditation the way he's doing it. He's saying, wake up as you come back in the body and stay conscious as you wake up in this body. Be conscious here, but be conscious in the spirit at the same time. That's what we're talking about. And then you can live this divine flow all the time. You don't have to sit down and close your eyes and do it. You can do it wherever you go. God is with you wherever you go because you are God. The divine in you is God. And wherever you go, God goes. Wherever God goes, you go. There's no difference. But the game is is to be responsible for our actions, for our thoughts, for our feelings, and for our reactions to others. Situations, people, things that are coming at us from the world as well as within ourselves. And to begin to create for ourselves what we really want. That is an action of the power of the name. where we begin to discover the grace that is the Holy Spirit. And we begin to discover within ourselves the movement of that grace that is divine loving. In that divine flow, there is nothing you have to do. There is nothing you have to be. And there is nowhere you have to go. Because you already are. In the divine isness, you are there now. And in that isness, there is nothing for you to be or do or go and accomplish. But rather just be in the flow of loving and let yourself be in that flow as one with God. But as I said earlier, the mind is the greatest challenge, the greatest barrier to break through. And the mind will go, well, you don't want to go into the realms of spirit. You lose individualization. You merge into this oneness. What is that? You don't want to be nothing. We're something here. We have identity, we have self, we have expression, we have meaning, we have purpose. You don't want to take that away from us. Don't merge into this divine oneness. Stay here and be an individual. And it may not sound just like that, but there will be this resistance of going into the spirit, going into that divine flow for fear of the unknown. How many times have we not been willing to go and do something because we were afraid of the unknown? I have. I have been willing to take certain trips sometimes because of going into a country I didn't know. I've not gone into medical situations because I didn't know the outcome and I didn't want to have to go through the experience of it. There's a lot of different places in my life where I have held back going into the unknown. And if I'm doing that in my own life in the world, it's probably going on on the inner levels, even at an unconscious level where I don't know it, towards spirit. So it's allow yourself to look and see that you're going to hold to that divine seat of the soul, to that divine place where the living, loving essence of the Lord dwells within you, And rise up to that for the experience and the knowing of that, that you truly are. And as you hold to the sacred name of God, the power of the name builds up and it just lifts you. It draws you upward. It's a natural movement to return back from which it came. And that's what the soul is longing to do. It's longing to go back from which it came. The soul also has its attachment to God. It isn't attached to the things of the world. It's attached to God. So, it is also longing for something. But it's longing to return back to its own source, back to its own place where the living, loving essence truly is in its fulfillment. And so, as you begin to allow the soul to have dominion over the mind, the emotions, and the body, you begin to find that they become quiet and you rise above all of that and back into the true source of your own being and begin to live in that divine flow of grace. Does that make some sense? It's challenging. I'm trying to put into words things that really are beyond words. There's no way for me to say, well, this is what it's like in the realm of soul. This is what it's like to be in the realms of spirit. This is what it's like to be in the heart of God. There are no words for it because it's beyond the mind and it's beyond the words. And so I struggle here trying to make sense, trying to put something on this level of being that might impart to you something of what is there. And to inspire you to begin to discover what that is for yourself. So that you can come back and go, you don't know what you're talking about. It's much bigger than that. Let me tell you what it's really like. And then you'll begin to share it. And you'll go, well, no, you know, it's, it's kind of like that, but it it really is. And and then you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what I'm not saying. The truth is beyond all the words. It's behind the words. And it's beyond this world. And so there's no way to bring it down to this world and really impart it. Now, a scientist can tell you all about the structure of the atom and how the atoms build together to create molecules and compounds until finally we have all that is here. And they can take it the other way and tear the atom apart and tell you just how that structure all works. And that's the level of the mind understanding this creation. But the mind can't understand that which it is not a part of. And it isn't a part of the spiritual creation. And there's no way to bring in the essence of spirit to the level of the mind and truly put it together in a verbal form, in a scientific form, and to share it like you might be able to do with the mind describing the atomic structure and how it builds things and to understand the subatomic structure. So be aware that everything I've told you is not it. And it's up to you to find out what it really is. What is it that is the isness? What is it that is the divine, living, loving essence of the Lord? What is it to be in the loving with God and to open and receive God's loving? That is the purpose and the mission of meditation to move into that, to live into that, so that you are that. And then you can come down here and take possession of this physical body and get up and do whatever you need to do with the mind, the emotions, the creative imagination, and the physical body, but you're doing it from that place of centeredness in spirit. And you live it, this life, with a different purpose, a different expression, a different focus, from a different place. And life is more simple, it's more still, it's filled with grace and ease compared to what it was before. And yeah, there's still the mind chatter and there's still the emotional disturbance and there's still the aches and pains of the body. And there are still those needs and desires at this level. But you approach it all from a very different place. Because you approach it from loving. You approach it from spirit. You approach it and manifest the spirit in all that you do in a way you hadn't before. And you find that all of a sudden the world goes, OK, have it your way. And the waters part. The ways open. And the universe begins to respond to you in a different way where before it controlled you and pushed you around and yelled at you, now it says, so what did you want? Where did you want to go? And it begins to work with you in cooperation rather than in resistance, trying to hold you in entrapment here. So this path of liberation, this path of spiritual meditation, this path of sound and light is a simple path and it's simple beyond words it's simple beyond words and it is for each of us to find how to get beyond all that that is of this world to find out what that simplicity truly is and truly one day you will wake up and you will realize that you never left the heart of God And that you have always been the living, loving essence of the Lord. And that it was for you to wake up into the knowing of that. And the realization that you never left the heart of God. But that you focused outward in order to have experience. So that you as soul could have experience in all of God's creation. So that God would know God more fully. I was talking to someone recently who said that, why would I want to do this pathway? You know, I love my wife. I love my children. I love my job. I make a lot of money and I'm enjoying making a lot of money. Why, why do I want to get away from that? Why do I want to be liberated from all that? You know, I may want to come back and, and, and have this same family again. I love my wife so much. I love my children so much. And I just want to take them with me wherever I go. If I go to spirit, I'll take them with me. And if I come back here, I'll bring them with me. And I listened to that for a moment and I said, I wished it was that easy. I wish we really could find those things that we really love and just hold on to them and keep them in our lives and, and take them with us wherever we go, whether it's back into spirit or into this world. But there will be a day when you leave your physical body and you'll forget all these people that you thought you loved so much. They will be gone in your out of your consciousness the moment you take your last breath. And that wife and that child and, and your job and your money and all those things that you love in this lifetime, in this moment, will just be wiped away in the moment because you will be in another moment, a moment of experience beyond that. Whatever that was that you have with your wife right now, that you have with your children, that you have with your career, that you have with your money, that is for the moment now, for your learning, for your experience, for your growth. But when the the lesson is done, it's done. When you left elementary school, you went on to middle school or junior high, whatever you might have termed it then. And when you left junior high, you went on to high school. And when you left high school, you went on to whatever was next for you. And you, more than likely, didn't go back every day back to high school just because, wow, it was so nice. I love my teachers and I love the experience of high school. I didn't want to leave it. And even if you did that, I would suspect somebody met you at the door one day and said, you know, you don't need to be here anymore. <coughs> You've graduated, you're 36 years old now. <laughs> You should get out of here and go find a life. Well, that's what happens at death. When you take your last breath here and the soul leaves here, what you experienced here remains here in many ways. It's done. The learning is done here. And you go on to the next experience. You go on to the next lesson to be learned. And all of a sudden, you're not thinking about down here. You're not thinking about those people down here. You're not longing for them. You're not needing them. And then all of a sudden, you feel this little tug somewhere on your body, your spiritual body. You feel this tug. (coughs) Or you hear this call. And you go, God, what is that? Who's that? Would you please let go of me? I've got to go higher. And all the time... While you were down here, you thought, I'm going to hang around. I'm going to be close to them. I'm not going to leave them. I'm going to protect them and do everything I can. I love them so much. I could never leave them. And yet now you're going, look, I'm going to cut the cord if you don't. Just leave me alone. Who are you? What do you think you're doing to me? You're hurting me. Stop it. Well, that's what happens on the other side. You would be surprised if you really looked in the Akasha. Not the Akashic records, but the soul records. The records of your own soul. And looked at all the different experiences you've had in creation. Not just the physical creation, but all of creation. And so all the different relationships you had where you loved this relationship, you loved this beingness, you loved this and did not ever want to part from it. And then it ended, and you went on to the next one. Oh, my God, I love you. Oh, I love you so much. I'll never leave you. And then it ends, and all of a sudden, oh, no, I love you. (coughs) How many husbands, how many wives, how many children, how many animals have we had in other existences that we were going to take with us no matter what? Well, when I get to heaven, you're going to be there. When you get to heaven, I'm going to be there. We're going to be together forever. Well, there's not enough of you to go around to be with everybody that you said that to in other lifetimes. Believe me. You don't want that. You don't carry one wife from one lifetime to another. What happens if all of a sudden you're in love with this woman and you say, We're going to be together forever, and in the next lifetime, you're a woman. Well, you don't want her as a wife. You want I want a husband. So you go, go away, girl. I want a husband. Leave me alone. And all the time she's going, but you said you'd love me forever, and I need to be with you again. And you're going, no, no, not this time. I want a husband. You're not a husband. I want a husband. And that's what happens. You can see it in all these interrelationships, all these dynamics of the karma and the interplay here. It's just amazing to watch. And it's wonderful when you can rise above all of that complexity of this world and enter into the simplicity of spirit and look back down on your own life and go, oh my god, and you begin to bring that simplicity back down here, and it just simplifies. It becomes quiet and still, just as it is in spirit. And all those elements that don't really hold to simplicity drop away. Friends drop away, things drop away, belief systems drop away, and you begin to stand in simplicity even at this level. And no longer do you have all these things pulling and calling and needing of you. But rather, you can then stand free and clear in the loving that you are and the creative being that you are and begin to create a new, a life that you truly are as a spiritual being. Not that you want, but that you are as a spiritual being. So focus inward and upward. Not downward and outward. It's not in the world, it is in you. And you may not believe it, but if you begin to focus inward, over time you'll begin to have that experience of the movement of light inside your own consciousness. You'll see the inner light, and you'll begin to hear the inner sound, and you'll begin to know the calling of the Lord within, calling the soul home. We are the prodigal son and God is waiting for us to come home. And God doesn't care what we did in our creativity and in our journey. God just wants to celebrate us coming home when we finally do come home. So go home. Go back to God. Stop waiting to be perfect. Stop waiting until you make that million dollars or that billion dollars with the penny that God gave you when you left. If you dropped it, if you lost it, if you planted it, hoping that it would grow into a money tree, and it didn't, don't hide from God in shame, saying, well, I can't go back yet, because my tree hasn't grown. Go back to God now, and realize (coughs) that it isn't about any of that. But it is also about you understanding your own creative principle. And it isn't for us to decide what it was we were to learn. It is just for us to experience, and in that experience, take that experience back to God, that God comes into the greater knowing. And I hope that makes sense. It makes sense to me. But, you know, it's so funny because I'm talking from a place out here in the realms of spirit and referencing to something that you may not yet be able to reference to, and it may sound like a foreign language. But it isn't. At one level, there's a part of you that goes, Oh, I know that. That's true. I I don't know why I know that, but I know that. And that's your soul. Your soul goes, That makes sense. It doesn't really make sense, but it does make sense. I know it makes sense. It rings true inside of me. I can feel that that's the truth. Or I want that to be the truth. And that's your soul. Listen to it and follow after it until you wake up into the knowing that you are soul. And then all the other just gets answered. There's nothing else to do. So, with all of that, we've got a few minutes. Are there any questions about what I've shared? Because I would rather you didn't leave here totally confused, just confused enough. Do you want to bring a mic over? They got to find it. So, if you want to raise your hand again, Blaine. I was wondering if you know yourself as an individual anymore once you're in the oneness or now that you're in the oneness, you don't have that individuality anymore. At this level, there's always individuality. In the spirit, there's just the oneness. There's that which is. And as I move into that, I know that and I live in that in spirit. And it's in that place where... In the isness, in the oneness, I am I am, the soul, can worship God in the fullness. But when I enter back down into here, I have to take possession of all that is here. The unconscious, the mind, the emotions, the creative imagination, the body, and all the senses and all that it is. And that's where I'm also aware of myself as an individual. That's what we call multidimensional consciousness. It's being able to reference yourself on all the different levels. And it's getting to the point where you can have your eyes open at this level and be aware of yourself as an individual and look up at the same time and know that I am one. So that you live in the fullness of that. So it's possible to do that. But yes, you do have an individual awareness. Okay. Yeah, okay, we if we're living all if we're living in the flesh, we can be aware of all these planes at the same time. Mm-hmm. And as the one, we can be also aware of all those things after our death. Right. Okay, but if we're not here, how can we be aware of here? We're, We're aware of our experience. Oh, okay. We're aware of our experience. But it's interesting because when you look at the experience of a lifetime, it's so fleeting, it's hardly even there. And when you look at the experience of all your lifetimes, all of them, it's like that. It's amazing. We think, oh my God, this lifetime is taking forever. When is it going to end? (laughs) And at the same time, the soul is experiencing it just rushing through and going into the next one. And rushing through and going into the next one. You know, I call it the true lifetime of the soul. And it begins with our experience coming into this creation and the process of returning back to God. And that is the full life of the soul. And the experience that we have down at this level before we turn back into the oneness seems like eons when we look at it from the timeline. But in truth, once we get back into the oneness, it's like that. It is so quick we go, oh, that was simple. I could do that again. And God goes, oh, I have another universe right over here. <laughs> I need to have an experience over there. Go over there for me, please. You go, oh, sure, that was simple. I can do that. <laughs> then we get down into that other timeline of whatever that universe relates to as, as a movement of being and expression and experience. And it seems like it takes forever there, too. But when we get back into spirit and into the oneness, it was just fun, just so quick again. We go, oh, that was simple. OK, what's next?
1: <laughs> One you. of the
0: things I like to say is that you don't lose consciousness. You'll always be aware. In my experience of it, I, I knew myself and I knew my oneness with all things. So you just don't lose consciousness. If anything, you become more awake, more aware. Again, like right here, you know yourself. But on another level, you know that that self and the oneness all at the same time, if that makes sense at all with that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We have time for one more question and then we'll call it an evening. <laughs> okay, I was, I was gonna give some other people a shot, but you were saying earlier that uh, uh, that when you leave here, you, you may not, like your the att- attachments that you have with your family and all that, that you may just go on or something else but what about the people that stay here is like ghosts or goblins and they hang around they stay in a house where they were or or, you know I guess they just didn't go into the light you're talking about being with the Lord and when you pass to the other side you go up through the light and go out and not just linger around, correct? Well there are those that hang around the world that do stay here. My father stayed in the nursing home for six months before he realized that he had died. So, yeah, that that does happen. Where they are not truly focused into the spirit, they're focused into the world and their physical life. And literally, a person can die physically, but never at another level know it. Because they're so close to the physical consciousness at the time of death, that they don't experience separation. They don't experience the transition into a higher frequency of consciousness. They just slip right on into the continuum at that level that they've been in. And so, you know, sometimes things like that do happen where people remain in the house, remain in the nursing home, remain in the hospital, you know, or remain at this level of consciousness until whatever happens, happens to begin to wake them them up to move on higher all right thank you yeah so we'll go ahead and call it an evening and I thank you all very much and hopefully we'll see each other next week I'll be here